Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the week again, and this week it's another games club, and on this game club, we're crying the tears of the kingdom. It's Zelda, ladies and gentlemen. All right, it's me, it's your host, Darren Wade, and today I am joined by uh, our good uh, our good friend, Colm, Colm Nolan. Colm, how are you? Hi, Darren, and hi, next guest, who I shan't name yet. <laughs> oh, the big surprise. Also joining us for the very first time, who's a big Zelda lover, and I couldn't have imagined this episode without him, Aww. is our good friend, Dr. Daniel. That's me. Did you forget how to? <laughs> did you forget how to pronounce my last Markovich. name? Markovich. Very good. No, I was just pausing for dramatic effect. For dramatic you guys, effect. You guys just stumbled in. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. After so many name drops, I had to appear. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's really good to be here. What a nice setup you guys. Thank have. you. It's it's so professional it, it is. actually is though like i mean i've done a good few uh, episodes at this stage but it's still a professional setup like it's not quite your basement and it's not quite a studio your parents house <laughs> you <laughs> that's know true. that's true so, that. it's super cozy it, yeah. it does it's, the does the job it's really really cool i love it i'm just gonna actually because i said i should put this timer on for you oh, guys yeah. so you guys could see um, but Dan, what we usually do is when we're starting on episodes, this is a games club where we we're going to go through a, a full game in review. And of course, in this episode, we've, we're going to go do Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. A little bit late to the party, but we figured there's a lot in that game for people just to explore and play around with. And here on the Gifted Gaming Podcast, we're not interested in being the first people out there to give the review. Boring. Unless it's Final Fantasy VII uh, <laughs> Rebirth. When there's a race yeah, to get yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but Dan, uh, we usually start off the episode by I'd ask the guys, you know, what games have they been playing? Of late so what's so there's two main ones i'm still uh knee deep in uh, baldur's gate 3 oh yeah aren't uh, we all finished the first act and as i arrived to the beginning of the second act i decided to take a break uh not to overwhelm myself with too much with too much uh, baldur's gate uh and i uh, did my homework and decided to watch all the game directs and uh, uh um sony uh state of play and I was so impressed with one trailer that I decided to try out Final Fantasy VII Remake. No way! Way! And for uh, you guys that you know, I'm not yeah. a big fa Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. Uh, and I am freaking loving that game. Wow. And yeah. I'm so, like, it, it makes me so happy to see because <laughs> what, what happened recently was myself and Kev, Kev B, who does all the Final Fantasy stuff on the podcast, we are obsessed with any news about it at the minute. And it was so funny because we watched the trailer. And then there was loads of a few bits that came out in terms of like there was a demo that some people were allowed to play. And uh, me and Kev were messing each other being like, oh, should we watch this? Shouldn't we? Well, maybe no spoilers and we'll keep the game. We watched the shit out of that. And then they had at the Tokyo Games uh, Con, they released like this half an hour footage of them doing the open world. And Colm, you'll love this, like, you know, Chocobo Farm. Ooh, yeah. All that kind of and a little, little mini quests and side quests and what Calm looked like. And it, that game is going to be a monster game. It looks amazing. So I wasn't able to keep myself away. But I'm so happy, Dan, that you as a non-Final Fantasy fan. Yeah, we're I, just... I found my way there. I'm, I'm quite deep in it. I think I'm 90% done with it. Have you done anything with the dresses yet? I am all done with that. <laughs> and uh, so the entire part, whoever didn't play it, I don't think there's a person in this world who didn't, but there's an entire part where you... Uh, are auditioning for this guy who is the owner of a certain club. <laughs> and uh, there w there's this entire dance sequence which, which you have to press buttons at an exact time to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, get, uh, to get a good score. 
And I was so immersed in this that I just had to record the entire uh, um, three minutes of dance routine and then rewatch it to really appreciate What's actually how going on. amazing yeah. that scene was. That scene's so good. And I think I, I don't want to ruin that, that uh, last sentence that Andrea tells Cloud at the end of it, but the gist of it where gender is just a state of mind. And I was like, holy sh... Sorry, I don't, don't no, know. If, are uh, we allowed to curse? Here? Of course you are. Okay, holy yeah. shit. There you go. Uh, this is such a, I don't know, to, to see someone say, say something like this, so much gender fluidity in a game that existed in the original as well. I have no idea about the original, but my partner Marcus, who knows all, of, all about it, so he knows all these things and how they translated it into the remake, I was just blown away. Yeah. Really, yeah. really blown away. And M being blown away by that game. Yeah, Good. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, what about you, Colin? What are you up to playing these days? Uh, similar there, half of Daniel's uh, picks. I'm also in Baldur's Gate. I think I have like filtered myself or diluted myself less in other games. So I'm like at the end of Act Two. Like even before I came down here, I went to do something, and it was like, "Are you sure you want to do this? If you do this, the state of this area will change." It was oh. no like you will move to a new area. It's like, no, shit's going to change. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like things being nice and bright. What yeah. a great, like, great game. It is. It has some flaws to it, but they're the same kind of games, uh, flaws you get with all those CRPGs, like doing quests out of the recommended sequence. Mm. You can kind of get quest locked a lot, which has only happened to me once, but it has happened to me kind of only at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to like do some work around. So like, that's the one kind of gripe that I would have for it. But otherwise, I absolutely love this game. It's like right up there. I know I've like sung praises of Wasteland 2 and 3 in the past. Yeah. But the like the mechanics, the controls and stuff, it's Wasteland 2 and 3, except, you know, D&D. &D. Yeah, yeah. But those games are D&D, &D, except it's rangers and robots, I think. Oh, okay. Rangers so like a bit more robots. of a futuristic vibe to the Wasteland? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. It's all like um, post-apocalyptic, my kind of jam, you know? You're either in a desert or you're in a like blizzard. One or the other. One or the other. I love that. Yeah, mm -hmm. great game. I can't, uh, I still haven't gotten as far in it as I would have liked at all. I'm still kind of closing. Act two though, right? No, closing it on the Ooh. end of Act One, I think, yeah. pretty much. I just <laughs> haven't been able to. And the problem was is that I got so excited to play it online with people that I've got like two or three groups yeah. so you keep having to go back to the start i'm like yeah. i'm never gonna finish this game am i you it's know? so hard to do that because like you have to you can only play with four people right and then if anyone else wants to come in at any later points like the next day they have to play as an existing character yes. you can't just uh create a new one and it, then level scale them or whatever. yeah if your party's full that's it like no one else can which mm. is we which i I get because there's probably so many uh, points being tallied the whole way through the game that it's probably a nightmare for them to say, well, oh, you can have as many people come into this party as you want. But like when you have a group of like seven, eight people playing Baldur's Gate 3 and you all just want to play together, it's like, oh, I wish you could just join whenever you wanted <laughs> to. But I mean, you could, they could hop on and play your character, I guess, if you were if you were willing to let go. Uh, also, at the minute, I'm playing um, F099. Can't get enough of that. All oh, right, the new uh, Switch thing. The oh. Switch, yeah, it's like a, a Battle Royale F-Zero. So it's the original F-Zero game, only 99 racers surviving as long as you can. Oh, they're fun, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Um, and I'm not bad at it, you know? It's a, <laughs> you I'm not, I'm not amazing. Spinning, isn't that it? Like you get the purple stuff for health on the sides of the level and then yeah. you can do like your spinning attack. Your spinning attack, you collect and for every, everybody that you hit or everybody that gets hit in front of you, they drop like these golden ball things that power yeah. up like a super boost which gives you a shortcut. It's a lot of fun. It's just one of those very easy pick up and play. That's been my problem lately. I haven't had 
enough time for video games for the last like week or two. I know, I know. I'm a guy who's doing a game you're, podcast. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna be deposed, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and what's worse is what worse is we're doing this game review of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and I ain't played that game. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's we'll we'll get into it. I guess we'll get into the into the actual nitty gritty bits of it. One of the fun challenges I had for you, Daniel, as a big Tears of the Kingdom fan, this being your first episode. Uh, not that I am anti-Zelda. Ocarina of Time, I absolutely adored. I played the episode crap out of that on the 3DS version. That can, was remastered. Can the microphone catch my rolling of the eyes? I Damn. Don't think so. Ouch, Jesus. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm in for it for this, this episode. Um, but played that. And then I played Breath of the Wild for about, I would say, six or seven hours. Not that I didn't enjoy it, it's just that I had just finished the first Horizon game and I had serious open world fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think if there's two games in my library that have really suffered from any kind of like open world fatigue or the same kind of style of game fatigue, it's been Breath of the Wild and Ghost of Tsushima. I've never been able to pick that one right. up and actually get into it. So mm-hmm. so I haven't played it. So you guys have... I come, I know you haven't played Breath of the Wild. I but also you... have. Well, I actually... I played it but for like maybe an hour to two hours. And then I jumped out. Um, I just never had access to it again. So jumping into Tears of the Kingdom was... You know, like, for example, I was chatting away to somebody who has played Breath of the Wild. And they're like, oh, just go to the old temple, you know, like where you met this person. And I'm like... What the no, fuck does that mean? No <laughs> Where is that? And they're like, oh, have you not played Breath of the Wild? They're like, no. And they're like, oh, well, this is all going to be very interesting <laughs> to you then. <laughs> but you, you told me an interesting thing, Daniel, that you didn't consider it a sequel person. No, no. And I know a lot of people have, but I think, I don't know. The way that I kind of look at these Zelda games are that if you are looking for a continuity, you're kind of you're kind of crutching it, you know. You're shooting yourself in the leg. For me, looking at it, I kind of saw it as a uh, almost a parallel storytelling. Like the first game, Breath of the Wild, didn't really happen in that universe. There's no, you know, beasts or all that um, the 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 stuff that went down in the first one. Mm-hmm. You just kind of the the game starts with with you with Link and Zelda just go under the castle to investigate something. And I think that because Link is all powerful and has the Master Sword, everybody was just like, oh yeah, he has, it's the same Link from the previous one. But for me, I just kind of looked at it as, okay, either this is some sort of a parallel storytelling or this is another iteration of the reincarnation of this Link and Zelda Mm -hmm. and uh, the big bad uh, that uh, they always do. But this is just a, a personal preference. Yeah. This isn't like a, a, a thing that I am well, even if you were to going to fight like, you out. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> if, even if you looked at it like they were sequels, there's enough time, like time passes. So like they yep. kind of, they do to an extent, they're kind of like, all right, well, the calamity is done now. And then Link and Zelda are just in the basement of Hyrule Temple and they're exploring and you see those like um, hieroglyphs and one of them's like smashed or a few of them are smashed. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what's Link gonna do? And then later, of course, you do see what that says. But Darren won't know, and we'll never tell. No, no. we will. We will never spoil it. But I gotta say that I, it took me. I, I was kind of thinking because we were talking about uh, best Zelda games and stuff like that, and I think that this one, Tears of the Kingdom, just. But I I can't imagine a better Zelda game from the past, uh, what, 20, 30, 25 years, mm-hmm. 35 years, I think now. Wow, yeah. Uh, this was the best one. I actually teared up on yeah. several scenes. 
I was like, this is this is like really emotional, like mm-hmm. to see this and to experience this. It was just something else. Yeah, and like opinion. I 100% agree with that. There was one or two moments, and um, like there's not that many cutscenes in this game, but the cutscenes you almost have to kind of go searching for them. And I think it's either the very last one you get, or when you find, let's say, all twelve cutscenes, um, you get a thirteenth one. And there was just a cutscene specifically where you see, like, this shan't be a spoiler because I won't tell you what he does exactly. But there's a character, Raru, uh, like the the king of Hyrule at the time, and he just he does something so anime and so fucking <laughs> badass that I remember just getting like goosebumps and just being like. This is so fucking cool. And this isn't even Link, you know what I mean? This is like, just some, like, well, he's like the leader. He's essentially their Zelda or like their, one of their, like, a, t- a certain timeline okay. sages, okay. you know? So I, I think uh, preparing for this kind of meeting and reading up about the game itself and Breath of the Wild, uh, I, I came across some, I came across somewhere, uh, someone mentioned uh, compared breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom and they said that compared to tears of the kingdom breath of the wild seems like a beta for tears of the kingdom i get like get that yeah it's it's and and looking at it now i don't think that after playing tears of the kingdom i can ever go back to play breath of the wild it's just it's not worth it because it's like they took breath of the wild they learned from everything they did and they just honed it mm-hmm. to such an extent where uh the mechanics of the game from breath of the wild are kind of appearing in tears of the kingdom but to the nth degree storytelling is amazing compared to breath of the wild i think it's way more approachable if you want the story you just go and find it yourself mm-hmm. which is very breath of the wild as well but this one it it kind of draws you in there's all this mystery and the world that you kind of like, okay, what is this about, you know? And it just really, it, it, it manages to rekindle that that excitement, at least, that I had when I played Breath of the Wild for the first time. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they would be able to do it. And there was a time when I just put the game down for a few good weeks because maybe it was open world fatigue. Maybe it was just I needed some time to... to digest Digest, yeah yeah. maybe that but once i got back into it it was just full steam ahead and Mm -hmm. i couldn't let it down i couldn't let it let it go yeah wow okay and so because i know you've got some topics that you want to get into Uh, no no you had topics which you told me and then you've since apparently scrapped them and come up with some some secret topic list secret topic secret topic list uh, that i am unaware of (laughs) Uh, but for i'll ask this question because you know we're getting closer to we're kind of in approaching the final quarter of the year. And one thing I'll always ask the guys is, you know, or one thing I will be, will be doing an episode on is kind of what is your game of the year? And based on the fact that Breath of the Wild won game of the year back in 2017, I think it's probably safe to say, based on both your reactions playing the game, this is 100% in the conversation for game of the year 2023, right? For the conversation, yes. But I do think that in, in, with all my love, to, to Zelda, I do think Baldur's Gate's gonna. Take I it. yeah, that like when you were saying it there, I was like I, earlier in the year I'd have agreed with you wholeheartedly, but now that I'm so deep into Baldur's Gate, I'm like it's just it's such a different type of game in comparison. Like there's still all the explorer and all that kind of stuff, but you're just you know you're making a character, you putting skill points into different areas. Link very much so. You just have your abilities almost from the get go. And then it's just the world is your oyster. Go forth, go have a good time. Two very uh, different 
um, I suppose, game mechanics or ways to play a game. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, I, but again, I, I wish it is going to be uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate. But I do appreciate with uh, Tears of the Kingdom how they have just... Again, and this is the same conversation from Breath of the Wild. They don't hold your hand. They are like, you know what? We've created this. You do whatever you want. Yeah. We, we don't care. You, you want to go fight the big boss right now? Go. Who's yeah. stopping you? I'm not stopping you. The game is not holding anything to stop you from doing uh, whatever you want to do. And I think that is such an exciting uh, uh, prospect compared to a lot of other games that they do expect you to go through the rigmarole of okay here is the opening sequence here is what you have to do now oh you need to get a little bit stronger before you get to these places none of it it holds with tears of the kingdom so you can go because you know i remember from my playing of zelda that you've got your hearts and you can get your heart jars and upgrade your hearts to have more hearts so mm-hmm. you, you can you go and actually complete i mean is that still a case that's the, the, the same basic zelda mechanics still apply here yes it, in this game instead of like beating a boss well actually if you beat a boss you will probably get a heart get a for heart, it too yeah. yeah but um usually it's shrines mm-hmm. now so like breath of the wild you go to four shrines and that will add to like a stamina increase or a heart increase mm-hmm. um Stamina is a good one to go for to get like two wheels because when you're flying or gliding, like it'll drain your stamina. So like you can get certain sages throughout the game that will assist certain abilities. And there's one cut from the Rito tribe who will like basically while you're gliding, he'll shoot a gust of wind behind you and just propel you through the air at a faster speed. Uh, I don't know if it works that way too, but does it like regenerate your stamina while you're getting pushed through the? No, through I don't think so. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. but there's uh, there's so many nice little things there, and then you have like uh, a different sage that might help you with like some stubborn rocks that you don't want to break your weapons on, mm-hmm. um, and like little little things like that throughout the game. Um, I just I have to say like Tears of the Kingdom was a brilliant game. I still definitely consider it a contender for game of the year. Just maybe it's because I'm right in Baldur's Gate now, and I can't take myself away Uh, from it you know think of anything Um, else but like it's such a fucking fantastic game like you confuse weapons and like like it's not like a topic or anything but i was like wondering if you did something like this as well like um you you can buy weapons from these poes in the in the darkness or the depths Mm -hmm. and essentially they'll sell you like a goron sword or like a very strong weapon so what i was doing is i was buying this really awesome weapon from them i was then fusing it with like one of my most strongest like ingredients like a lionel main or something like that and then when it was getting close to breaking i was going back to that like little tarry town and i was going to the goron there and telling him to disassemble my pieces and i was able to to get the sword back the sword would still be damaged but you get the ingredient back at full strength uh, so like it could be the lion's mane or something and i never did this oh okay uh well he was there you you could do it with any of your like shields or weapons or anything like that it's only like 20 gold or 20 rupees something small like that too um but you can also then apparently i never did this but craig was telling me if you have a like rusty or almost damaged or almost broken weapon you can like drop it on the ground in front of an octo rock and they suck it in they They suck it in and then they'll like clean up if it's a rusty weapon they'll clean the rust off it and come back out as like a shiny and the damage goes up and everything or if it was like just about to break it'll come back at full strength so you're good to go again so you're good to go again so if you learn these spawning locations of these little octo rocks you can 
you know, technically never break any of your really good weapons. And you always have a few duds there, like a big stick yeah. with a rock on the end of it. You're like, well, yeah. you have to, you have to break it for, you have to break some rocks along the way. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's just a mechanic of the game, Darren. That's yeah. just, you know, like something small that you just get to play with. We'll get into kind of like your, your topic list, Daniel. Yes. I mean, I don't know what this is, but hit me. What do you got? Well, I mean, Colm mentioned it and I think that it's a, good place to start like uh how, what abilities like link has this this game and i think compared to other zelda games well a lot of the very good zelda games i think what they were able to do is to uh, introduce a new mechanic and then expect you to seamlessly work it into the world so the 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 big one that comes to mind is uh uh Link Between Worlds, which mm-hmm. was a DS3 release where Link could fuse into the walls and then he could walk along walls. So your entire uh, aspect on how you view the game automatically changes because all of a sudden there were no chasms. You just kind of slapped into wall and moved along. And very similarly in this game, you get all these abilities and that completely changes the way that you view and traverse in the game. And I think the best one is just the ability to ascend through... It's amazing, yes. Because it completely changes how you think about the game. Ascend through... Is this from what I remember from the trailers where you can actually like dig up through rocks and So you jump through rocks that are not too high and then you just go all the way up to the next level of that rock. So if you're in the middle of a cave and you've spent half an hour uh, spelunking it and you're like, okay, I'm not going out the same way. You just just uh, uh, ascend through the uh, cave. It's just like the developers just being cave so wall. kind <laughs> to you, you know? So I don't know if that's real, but I read that this was uh, a, um, a developer tool because they were like, okay, how I, we want to go somewhere else now. So they've developed that tool to help them uh, design the game. And then they just kept it as one of Link's like, abilities. I don't so know if fun. it's real, but I like the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sold it too. I was like, that's so <laughs> factual. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, and then obviously uh, the Ultra Hand, where yep. you. Uh, Fuse things together, pick stuff up, fuse things together. Oh, yeah. Fuse and Ultra Hand kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, Which allows you to just basically build whatever the hell you want, Mm -hmm. which is just incredible. It's very fun. I definitely didn't give it as big a go as some of the like YouTube people and even like uh, one of our friends, Andy Garland, while he was over visiting, he was like, anytime I was playing the game, he was like, oh, what's the craziest thing you've built? And like, what's the most complicated? I was like, I built a bridge with like 20 logs. <laughs> that's as far yeah. into this so, so, So when you play this game, you come across these ancient uh, um, devices that give you different um, pieces, dif- different uh, contraptions. You have fans, you have, what else? You have uh, flame, uh, emitters, flame emitters, flame emitters, yeah, water emitters. Uh, um, uh, fans, you know, the, like, yeah, the spiral. fans. Uh, you have uh, um, platforms that just kind of hang up in the air. Springs and springs, such. Springs, and you can just use them, fuse them, and build whatever you want. Uh, I think the first thing the game made me build, because I didn't know how to, how to cross a certain place, I built a uh, kind of a monorail. So I put a tiny uh, cart on a hook, and I put the hook on just a, a line, a, a metal line, put a, uh, um, 
a fan on the on the back of the of the cart and it just propelled me all the way through mm-hmm. and that game made me makes me feel so smart <laughs> and I was like I am the smartest boy alive now Look I'm gonna me. now I'm gonna plan a city and get my degree as an engineer <laughs> and build a bridge <laughs> with build 20 logs, <laughs> <from> 20 logs. <laughs> uh, and the more the game develops the more you find different things you find wings You've uh, like uh, gliders, uh, gliders. Yeah. yeah, you find uh, skateboards, roller bl- roller boards. You find huge wheels to build four by fours. Um, um, you can get these like basically control sticks that you can use to attach to anything. And if that thing has wheels or a fan, you'll be able to like steer it and direct it where you want. So it's just like a little like a steering wheel essentially, but you sit onto it and you have like the throttle. But you can make with. I think it's like with one of those and two fans, you can make like a Star Wars like hover bike kind of situation yeah. and just fly around indefinitely until your like your energy meter runs out. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, which is just I mean, and then the fusibility to fuse everything you find in the world to your weapons, to your shields. Uh, you know, it yeah. is just the the options are so limitless that I am not surprised that to this day what several months now since the game was released people are still finding new stuff to do to build to explore mm-hmm. and it's just it's just amazing absolutely and like there's one power we haven't really touched on just yet either and that is the reverse like you can reverse time of any object and it is awesome like there's so many applications for it like a when, monst- you, when you say reverse the time of any object do you mean that like an object that's been in play in some way yes, yes let's say so- you threw a rock at me and before it hit me, I just activate my little wheel. Time stops. I have all the time in the world to find your little rock. I'm going to find it. I'm going to press, press like return. And it's going to go back at you with the same force or momentum that you threw with that. Oh, my God. It's like Neo in the Matrix. So, yeah. so I, I think what is really amazing about this is that everything in the game, the game remembers where everything was. So if you now pick up a plate and move it towards somewhere and then back towards you and then reverse it you can use that as basically an elevator to to traverse you to wherever you want and a lot of the a lot of the shrines i just i just cheesed (laughs) by that i was like screw this i'm not doing it your way i'm doing it my way well that was the interesting thing that i found about it in what i was kind of paying attention to um during kind of like like with trailers or people putting up little shorts about this game is amazing was that people were after in often in shrines or mazes or doing certain parts of the game that because you can do so much the developers had like a plan to say kind of this is how we expect you to complete this thing but mm-hmm. because the your options are so limitless that i've seen so many people just like ham their way through all these different kind of puzzles yep. and mm-hmm. I don't and know if it's even cheesing. It's like a mechanic. Like yeah, you might be just too game, clever man. for the game. But yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like <laughs> do it. <laughs> and comparing it to to other uh, Zelda games. Oh, before we do that, can yeah. I touch really quickly on another lovely thing about the the mechanic of reversing time? Mm-hmm. It also ties into my bridge. <laughs> I just I don't want to milk the bridge situation, but I want to tell you because I'm not running across that bridge. Okay, I just want you to know that I just need the distance. So what you would do is you would pick up the bridge as long as it is, and while you're holding it, you just rotate it around in a 360 degree angle, yeah, uh, rotation, and then you just put it down, stand on it, press rewind, and it'll go around 360 degrees, bringing you at 180. You just jump off, 
and you're on the other side you don't of wherever even have you need to, to walk go. the bridge the that's bridge what i mean I, i'm you. not walking that bridge. oh my <laughs> god so it's like you guys have become like the laziest people <laughs> Big time. How, how is that lazy that's ingenious okay man. okay it, it's brain exercise it's body lazy yeah. so like, in terms of ability so again the last zelda game that i really got into was ocarina of time on the 3ds i know for shame but they haven't really grabbed me ever since that and i love the absolute crap out of Did that you ever play majora's mask I did. I, I, it's not as deep. No, I, I, I preferred. I think I preferred. Um, Ocarina. I think Ocarina. Ocarina. Fair enough, yeah, yeah. I think the music and everything. And anytime someone says to me, Zelda, that's what I think of. I think of Young Link and and running mm-hmm. around. And but you know, your abilities in that game consist of essentially your weapons or your your outfit. Like in terms yeah. of you've got like the you know you pick up the boots that help you sink in the water. You've got your little grappling hook, hook all that kind okay. of stuff. Is there? You're probably going to say no to this. Probably is there is there too much going on with your abilities? Is it kind of overwhelming? You, no. Colm, you who hasn't played Breath of the Wild, did you yeah. come across this and say, Jesus Christ, this idea that I can do so much is actually taking away my enjoyment of the game? No, I would say getting access earlier to the abilities is actually a better like thing. I think like that's where they've learned from previous Zelda's more mm-hmm. so because very situational based Zelda games like you were talking about. Um, Ocarina at time. Like, you know, like the fire Goron hammer? Yes. You're never going to use that. You no. use that for like a second once and then it might come in handy to like punch a block out of the way that you could have just climbed over anyway. Yeah. Um, but then like in other games as well, there's like, um, there's shield things you can like sand surf on and stuff like that in the train track one. I don't know what it's called, but one uh, of them. Spirit tracks. Spirit tracks, yes. Uh, so there's, there's always in every Zelda game, there's at least one or two quest items you get in a temple that's only used in that mm. temple and maybe if you're lucky like one random uh, world kind of like there might be a block place. that yeah. can only be that one item can you know damage it and bring you into a secret area so very much so Zelda games have always kind of gone with that where as you go you get like a new weapon whatever wherever you get that weapon that's going to be the dungeon that you use it in whereas this was just like go nuts you know like you can ascend you can reverse time you can pick things up throw them over do whatever you want pick up a boulder drop it on an enemy and then like rewind it so it happens twice three times as many times <laughs> as you want um it's it's so liberating like as the game and i would say that like my first two to three hours you know like when you're in the sky Ar- archipelago islands mm-hmm. that was really stressful like not stressful but like it was the most challenging time of the whole game for me because I didn't quite understand the controls. The game almost expected me to know like certain little things, you know, like even later in the game, I found out how to shield surf. It was about like 20, 30 hours in and I was just like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember people were saying you could do that, but you know, like whatever, I'll pass by that. But like having the access to get all this stuff earlier, it just means that you use them and they are all applicable within the world as opposed to like those, you know, very select like yeah. other items that you'll never use again, bar that one dungeon you use it in. So I think in this game, there's only like five abilities, maybe six, but they're cool. all very useful and not even necessarily for combat, just for traversing or, you know, doing things in the world. So that was my my next question, uh, based on the abilities and the traversal. I, I know from the trailers and from seeing some gameplay that a lot of the world has now these kind of floating islands as a more vertical aspect to this compared to Breath of the Wild. But they seem like really, really high up based on the trailers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Are mm-hmm. they, are they, does that make, tra- like to get up there to do things there, is that, is, that, is traversal, in that sense, the verticality of it difficult. Uh, it is and it isn't. There are times where you could use rewind on like a rock that's fallen out of the atmosphere, not the atmosphere, but like it's fallen off one of those sky archipelago islands. 
it lands on the ground and if you see it you can you know if you see a falling go to that location jump on it rewind pop up now you're on that location that is such a satisfying game mechanic yes Just that idea is so great it's like <laughs> it and it's almost like it almost like forms a point of interest on your map as well it's mm -hmm. like i know you probably didn't think about going up there but this rock just fell you fancy going up let's and go see that? let's go and let's go see what's there yeah. I, and this is i think this is the best part of this game that it, it is such such an adhd game that every time you see something, ooh, I, I, I wanted to do this quest, but what is that over there right now? I am going to explore it. Yeah. And so many times have happened that I just started on a direction and was completely sidetracked by something that I saw or something shimmering that fell from the sky. Or and It could just be like you find a little cave, you go into it, and something unbelievable is in there that you weren't expecting. You just stumbled in there and you come across something that is like almost like big bad-esque you know okay what I mean? okay some dangers and some that dangers. is not even mentioning because you only know the game from the trailer i only know the game from trailers and i've and in fairness i have watched because one of the things i was quite interested in with that game especially kind of in the first couple of weeks afterwards when people were were essentially just dicking about with like the things you can create and yeah. i saw like you know the war machines people were coming with you know the big old giant dicks that were all that kind of stuff and i was like <laughs> so my experience of the game isn't necessarily just the trailer i've seen a lot of gameplay but none of it is coherent in the context of a narrative or anything so, like so that so you know obviously that there's the entire Hyrule that you can explore and obviously there's the archipelago uh, mm -hmm. in the sky that you can explore do you know that there's a whole third huge map that, no I didn't yeah so this is another thing that is comp that to me this came as a huge surprise once I understood the extent of it mm -hmm. that under Hyrule there is a whole nother map that is the size of Hyrule like a mirror image in darkness. That's called The Depths. And go nuts, explore. And there's a whole nother line of side quests that's just there waiting for you. Uh, absolutely. And what's amazing, and like you, because you just brought up The Depths, and there's like, I saw like a little folklore kind of thing on Zelda. And you know, like when you're in The Depths, so The Depths are, and just as you're just getting acquainted to it, it's just a mirror, the shadow realm of Hyrule. Nice, I love it. Uh, yeah. When you go down there, you have to light up things using like these uh, bright blooms to like, you know, see your path. And every so often you'll see almost like a kind of bud, a fire bud. And when you go over there, it'll actually illuminate that area. So you'll be able to travel around and see where you're going. Um, but what's in The Depths as well is you'll always come across these statues of like soldiers and if you go over to them, they're holding weapons. And when you take the weapons off them, like, um, let, let's say that the reason why, like, there's a lot of gloom in Hyrule and Ganondorf is the cause of it. But basically, it's like all the weapons and stuff and like the armories of Hyrule have all rusted. Uh, and this gloom is like corroding steel and iron and everything else. So when you go down into the depths, there's these just pristine swords. And it's like, what the hell is this? What's going on? And like the more, like I didn't really pick up on it on my playthrough. It was only about looking into it later in like the story uh, and like people like talking about the, like what this is. But basically those soldiers represent like a massive battle against the forces of evil. And like there's one or two moments or one or two locations in the whole map where you'll have three statues together and they're like heroes of time kind of putting the last stand in on that Ganondorf. And I was just like, oh my God, that is the coolest detail yeah. ever. And I'm using their weapon to like, you know, cut through the gloom once more. It's like, oh, and so cool. let's just mention that this entire another whole map is completely optional. 
if you don't want to do go there. Yeah. There's no reason to go. Daniel, I hate to interrupt your flow, Sorry, but I'm, yes. I'm just going to need you to probably get a little bit closer. Oh, to your, no. To your, yes. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. There you well, I, I didn't, yeah, didn't want to put my lips on it, but now you're asking me to. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Um, I will also speak a little bit louder. No, no, no. Your, your volume is absolutely oh, fine. Okay. So the problem is, is that you all guys said this was professional. I have got the shittest, cheapest mics going. So you've got to get right up in the grill of these guys to, uh, to get this in. But okay, so we're talk- we've talked abilities and I mean the scope of the place is, is massive as well. What else have you got on your on your list? Today? So I was I was kind of wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Colm. This is kind of a interview, kind of an interview now. Oh. What was your like most the crowning achievement of of Tears of the Kingdom? Forget about you know you uh, fought the boss, you had the whole yeah. cutscene. What um, what was the the part that you were like? This this is gonna go down in history. How this turned out, yeah. Um, okay, well, I don't have too many of them off the top of my head. I do have a battle-related one, and that is, yeah, yeah that was one that like I was so impressed with. Uh, I have a kind of spoilery one, which I won't go into. No, I think I mean so. I mean, I don't. Spoilers for me aren't aren't a big deal, and I think if we're doing a full games club review, I mean, you guys have both finished this game, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll put it now. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning to all our viewers. Because the guys have finished it, we're going to talk about you cool. know endings. Oh, whatever. Great. Okay. okay. Well, right. then let's talk about that ending. Yes. Um. Sidestep that one just for a moment. <laughs> uh, okay. So one of the coolest things I did within the game, real quick, was I went to a coliseum in the depths. I had one of the hardest battles I've ever had. I fought a Lionel, and mm-hmm. I fought another Lionel. And I fought two more Lionels at the same time. And they fought like two or three more Lionels. That's like five to seven Lionels. I killed all those motherfuckers. And at the very end of it, I was like, I don't even know what's happening here. Like, is there going to be more? And then a chest like just appears. And I'm like, what was this, in it? This better be fucking good. And I went over, I opened the chest and not but Majora's mask was well, in the wait. chest. Congratulations. Soft Very applause. Oh. Soft yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it. I also earned that mask while wearing the fierce Daiji mask. Which, that one is one of my favorite masks. Yeah, I found yeah. that totally by accident. This is another part of just traversing. I was traversing, gliding, and I saw like a volcano. And I was like, well, there's no fire in that volcano. So I'll just like drop in on top of it. And I was like, all right, well, this leads somewhere. So I dropped down and I had to like... The, the eye of the skull. The eye of the, scale, yeah, of the skull. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I just dropped into this area and I didn't even have that at the time. I got this before I found that quest. So I randomly found this and it was the mask of the Fierce Deity, like the Fierce Deity mask. It just increases your attack power. But in Majora's Mask, that is like um, how you turn into Big Link, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh man, it just... You feel so fucking cool. You can get like the armor sets for all these things. I think Majora's Mask is just a mask, but like Fierce Diety, you can get the full outfit. You can and the sword as well. And yeah, the sword. And, and, and so Majora's Mask being the thing that gives you the power of of you know Big Link. What does it do then in Tears of the Kingdom? Because you're already Big Link, right? Oh no! Well, that would be the Fierce Diety. Yes, it just increases your attack power. That's the Fierce Diety mask. But Majora's Mask will, and it's kind of a, a weird power. It just says certain enemies will revere you or certain enemies won't attack you and you can get like goblin masks or hobgoblin masks or like lizards you you can just run through their territory unaffected yeah Yeah, so it's kind of like it just groups more enemies into one than a normal mask might have done so you can like walk around and enemies will come over and have a question mark over their head be like what are you doing kind of like snake with his box in metal gear solid what's in the box what's in the box uh for me i remember it i 
got onto an archipelago. It was great. It was great fun. And then I looked up and there was another island that's, that was really, really far up. And at that point, I was really far into the game. So I had my favorite contraptions that I always built. I had like a dirigible with two fly, uh, hot air balloons with uh, uh, um, flamethrowers that were constantly uh, 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 propelling me up. So I was driving that, that dirigible up, up, upwards. And I get up to that place. There was no other way to get there. And there was a King Glyok there. So that is a three-headed dragon. Each head had a different elemental power. What? Yes. I didn't come across that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, King Glyok, every head had a different elemental power. And I, that, that was an epic fight. And when I won, I was like, this was, th- this is it. I don't need to fight Ganondorf. Yeah. This was incredible. And it was I didn't know what was there. It was just a thing that I really wanted to go and see because I thought to myself, okay, there's going to be a chest there, something silly. And then there was this huge-ass dragon there, and I got to fight it, and it was so satisfying. I, th- I think the thing is I love about how brave that is from a game design perspective, and I always kind of think back to like Red Dead Redemption 2 as my best example, is there's so much in that game that can be just completely and utterly missed because it's nothing to do with the mainline story whatsoever. They're just going about their business. But it's like this, this you know, absolute devotion to the task at hand to make this excellent game and to understand that gamers are, are you know, and if they're fans of Red Dead, if they're fans of Zelda, that they're going to want to go and exploit things. So this idea that, like, you know, you both finished the game, Colm, you, I mean, I know from talking to you, you poured lo- loads of time into it, oh, yeah. that you still didn't discover, like, and, you know, you didn't discover this dragon thing, and it's, it's a massive part of Daniel's experience playing the game. But I love that, like... You know, they never said, hey, we think this is a cool thing. We're going to make it very obvious for everybody to find. It's like, no, no, only only those willing to, you know, Explore. It, really That's go it. deep in exploration are going to get this one. And I love that idea. And I, I think with, with this particular game, I think it doesn't have the same replay ability as certain games. For me, I felt like while I was playing it, I was like, this is a one playthrough game for me. And yeah. I'm just going to do everything yeah. before I finish the game. And for ages, I had like... Not like I wasn't down, but I was like losing interest within the game, like doing the side quests. And I only had a few left. Like I got real deep into them. And obviously I didn't find the source to set me up for side quests. So there's still loads out there I never saw. But I basically kind of got to the very end of my own side quests, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, right, okay, I'm finally ready to go get Ganondorf. But then like even before I went to do it, I was like, but am I going to miss something really Maybe cool, one more, maybe know? a little bit more, yeah. And, yeah. yeah that could have been just how <laughs> I play that game, but I do feel like if you were to go um, like exploring everything, like every little crevice and shit like that, and then go clear the game, you're not going to have another playthrough for a year to two years, maybe a little bit longer, which I think is fine. Like if you want to do it that way, that's fine. But if you kind of not rush through the game, but don't do a lot of side, ex- side missions or exploring, I, I feel like... That's like I, I can't imagine playing this game that way. Yeah, like, you like, miss out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I think you would have to throw your life into the mix and just be like, Well, this is what I do now. Yes, I am is, a, I am I am now. an explorer uh, of Hyrule. I yeah. am Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> what was the thing that surprised you the most in the game? Like compared to other Zeldas? I have my answer in mind, but um, surprise me the most. Let me think about it, and let's yeah. uh, Daniel. So for what me, what surprised me the most? Uh, <laughs> I think for me, uh, having played a lot of Zelda games, the 
fanfare around finding the master sword mm-hmm. getting to the secret for again to the to the lost woods uh finding your way uh, finding your way to the pedestal uh taking the sword out of the pedestal it always had this this waste air of no air of uh oh yes now the game is going to begin and It, it happened the same in Breath of the Wild, but this one, I got to where I knew the Master Sword was, and they told, and, and the character there, the Deku Tree, told me, oh, Master Sword, no, I don't have that. It's somewhere there, but it appears to be moving around the map. And I'm looking at that like, oh, I, oh, oh, I know where it is. And that just got me on a completely, I, I think the way that they did the Master Sword on the, in this game is out of this world yeah it's uh, um like for darren and for listeners if we are doing spoilers which i think skip is skip this skip yeah. this part very very severely if, if uh, darren if you'd like to go to the bathroom or make <laughs> it on, no no hit me hit me i'm ready like I'm ready that for this. uh well what daniel's about to lay down on you is like end of game knowledge so you have been warned yeah three so what two, you one, one. what you find out is that the master sword is actually embedded in the head of a flying dragon around Hyrule. Oh, is it the flying white thing that I saw? Yeah, it's a flying yeah. white dragon. Cool. Are we going uh, further? I don't know. Yeah. See, this yeah. is where. Wait, look, guys, it, the people have been warned. We're here to talk about the they game were warned, its They were warned. They were uh, warned. Daniel. So as you take out the Master Sword, there is a completely separate side quest. And that is, I think, the best side quest of the game. Uh, Tears, uh, Tears of a Dragon, mm-hmm. where you follow Zelda's, uh, um, uh, where you follow Zelda's journey in what happened to her after you meet Ganondorf, after you you face him for the first time. She goes back in time. It's a whole mess. There's it like doesn't 12 matter. Twelve different cutscenes that kind of will like give you drips of information of what happened. Okay. And they're all they're awesome. The thirteenth one is the best. That's the one that gave me goosebumps. Anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anime. anime. Yeah. And you find out that in order to restore a broken master sword in the past, Zelda uh, uh, becomes a dragon. And the Master Sword is embedded in her in order for her to uh, uh, restore its energy. Now, if I could just quickly interject, because Darren crossed his arms, and I don't know if there was a mild sigh, but before people are like, Zelda just turned into a dragon. That is true, but she, uh, they all have these like sage stones that amplify their abilities, and swallowing a sage stone will it'll leave you it like causes draconification draconification yes draconification you're a D character yes it is life. and my father's gay tree character um <laughs> but yes so swallowing that will turn them into like an eternal dragon or like one of those kinds of celestial-esque dragons mm-hmm. but they'll lose all sense of themselves they will cease to exist as a person and now they're just a roaming uh Dragon. So, and uh, not to get bogged down in the, um, what would you say, the sense of all this, because it's a fantasy sense. game. But if she is there as a dragon in your times, mm-hmm. that's the, that's a, that's Zelda going around as a dragon with the Master Sword mm-hmm. and better mm-hmm. Is is that the? I mean, I don't mean to be spoiled. Is that the Zelda of this universe, or is Zelda still rocking about with you? No, she, Zelda is not with you. You don't know where she is. Yeah. yeah. In well, in Link's timeline, while you're playing. She was with you at the start of the game, and then you fought Ganon, and then your arm got fucked up, and she vanished. You lose, the Master Sword breaks, and she vanishes. 
Wow. And then, I think I think I figure this one out, fellas. Don't worry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> then yeah. only afterwards you find out she went back in time, yeah. uh, and that's which, where she. Um, and which also highlights uh, Daniel's whole like big surprise, which is when you go to the Deku Tree looking for your Master Sword. He's like, it seems to be moving. And you're like, depending on how many cutscenes you've seen, you might be piecing things together because you won't always see them in sequence. You might see them, like the the very first one you see might be the one where Zelda turns into a dragon for all you know, you know. <laughs> so uh, you know, that's that's how yeah. it is. But like, it's up to you to kind of piece that together without having all the information, or even yeah. if you do have all the information, you might have just forgotten. And then when you go up to confront this dragon and go to the source of the moving master sword, you'll pull that out and. It doesn't... Two stamina wheels. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you need two stamina wheels to pull that shit out. Uh, but it doesn't unlock Zelda from her thing, no, right? No, no. It's only at the very she's end of just, the game yeah. when you beat Ganon. She's essentially, Dorf. you know, in Ocarina at a Time, the like Triforce-esque stump yeah. that it rests into, that is now her forehead. <laughs> nice. So, so you take that out. And I think, again, after playing so many Zelda games where in each one of them you go to the pedestal, you take it out... This one was such a breath of fresh air. It mm. was, they just really flipped the script and it was so fun. Uh, that entire, to get onto that dragon to begin with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like how do you land on a dragon? And then to find the sword and then to fail because you don't have enough stamina and then to take it out finally. It was so satisfying. I mean, I can get behind this game, I, I, I think. But so we're, we're, we're definitely playing along time-wise. And I just want to look at your... Because I don't know what your, what your topic list is. I don't oh, know if we're halfway. I've, I've chucked that topic You're, list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is just... I, I'm just... Like I said, I'm just enjoying to You're fawn over Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there any other um, aspects of the game that you'd like to, to delve into from a said secret topic list? Or? Ooh, secret topic list. Uh, uh, I don't know. I have here, so best contraption built, that was uh, offered by uh, Craig, you're, uh, you're either the spectacular success or failure. Did you have any, that, that's my question, because one of the things that I was curious about was this idea that you could, you know, pretty much, um, I, I wouldn't call it cheating, but you could, you know, you could, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say glitch, but you could ham your way through shrines or puzzles. Did, I, have, mm -hmm. did either of you guys ever come across a situation where you thought you had it? solved and you accidentally solved it based on the fact that the you know, the physics of this game were so wild uh not necessarily well, like once or twice there was a one problem that was really pissing me off i had to bounce a ball like let a ball drop down and then you had to like reverse time and get it to bounce and keep on timing it so that it would eventually meet its end destination and hit a little like ring thing or whatever mm -hmm. and i was fucking around with that for so long almost got a few times and it was really annoying me so i just was like i'm gonna just try this and i took out a spear and i fused the ball to my spear and i threw it at the thing and it worked <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> what about you Dan? did you ever, uh, ever fudge it well yeah i fudged all of that those shrines because once i realized how strong that reverse time was everything was easy once yeah. i realized that i can just pick up stuff stand on top of it and just move around wherever I wanted. That was it. That was it for me. So next question for me, is the game, be, because these powers, speaking to me as a layman who doesn't understand, hasn't played the game, these powers seem overpowered to me. You know, being able to reverse time, all this fusion, having puzzles that you don't even really have to solve in what would be considered a, uh, a, a normal route. Mm -hmm. Is the game 
easy? Is it too easy? Based mm. on I these? feel like having cleared it, playing it again, I would find it easy. But I don't think it is inherently easy. I think it's the more comfortable you get and the more confident yeah. you get messing around with shit, the better you will get at it. But yeah. you'll you'll take to it faster if you're fucking around because you'll get an idea for the engine. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the game's engine necessarily affects combat. Like, not all the time. Like, you could throw a barrel t- theoretically, but very often it's like... You know, like an example of a contraption I tried to make to like streamline battle was I made like a log and like a few you things. You and your logs. I know, this one wasn't a bridge. <laughs> so I made, I made a log and I made 20 of them yeah. and I put them together as a bridge. <laughs> I actually, not the bridge part, but I did actually put a few logs together and spin them around and try to like use that to bash enemies. It actually kind of worked, but it also hit me. But the one that really got me was um, you can get these like cannons. They're like Zonite cannons and they just shoot a charged blast and it'll explode everything kind of in its path. So I had this like area where I was getting ready to shoot all these enemies that were right ahead of me. I was like, right, like almost like, you know, sign for the artillery, like, you know, like wave your hand, shoot the artillery, it fired once. And then the, the movement from firing made it tip down and forward <laughs> and I couldn't turn it off. And it just kept shooting and blowing up into the ground. And I was kind of close to a wall. So I was just forever hitting the wall and sliding back down and then hitting it and every so often you get a few seconds of invulnerability mm-hmm. so you just start running away from the wall like go 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 or try to like fast travel which you can fast travel anywhere as well mm-hmm. in hindsight i probably should have done yeah, that quicker that was super fun <laughs> um a question i have to you then because one of the things that now I, I saw the first trailer for uh tears of the kingdom that was released and i was very much disappointed by what i saw in the first trailer because it, to me, it didn't look all that different from Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, just short of six years in development. You know, five five years going on six, six years. years. Yeah. yeah, six oh, years. Yeah. Was yeah. the first trailer the one where it was just them walking in the darkness? It, it Yeah, it was that. And then it showed yeah. some of the world. But, you know, because graphically it looks... So first trailer w- trailer was that just them walking, yeah, just yeah. the the opening cutscene. And, and the second trailer started and then to show you, you sh- mechanics. They showed you a little bit of mechanics. Yeah. Was it worth the six year wait? One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. If anything, uh, if if I know anything about Nintendo, is they don't rush things, and I appreciate them because if if they want to give you a finished product and that game was a finished product yeah I'm no day one patch required you know like nothing yeah. of the sort and and it was uh, like like i mentioned before the the ability to fuse everything you wanted the ability to build so many things that the world felt way more alive than it did in breath of the wild because there was so many things that you could do with the world mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you know finding uh finding a rock wasn't just finding a rock finding a mushroom wasn't just finding a mushroom it was like okay what can i actually do with these things or uh, for example there's one of the mushrooms it causes confusion right it has spores that cause confusion so you can shoot the mu- the, the the mushroom attach it to an arrow and shoot it at at an enemy or you can fuse it to your shield and then when the enemy hits you the mushroom kind of uh, uh, releases its spores and then the entire battle kind of tips to your favor there's so many things to do the the options are are nearly infinite i think and if that took them 6 years 
take mm. those six years and absolutely there's a technical marvel about the game and daniel's already touched on some of it which is the uh, when you reverse time as we said uh, if you move any object around or if an enemy moves an object around that's tracked and it's tracked for good like if you leave come back a little while later is that item still there it'll still be on that path as long as you haven't hit it again what's also in the game is a thing called the hero's medallion and this is super useful super amazing but basically it'll it'll track where you've been on the map and you can set it to a few different things but you can literally set it to where you've been the times that you have been where's the most recent area i've been and you can have a look at the whole time that you've like been playing and where you've gone to so if you're just like oh like i wonder if i've been down here maybe i have i have it was a few hours ago i don't remember it you can go to your heroes map and it tracks everything that you've done like traveled around the map all that kind of stuff and i think you could put like a few locations down that's just fast travel but just the logistics of it being able to track where you've been for the whole game and you can follow that thread if you want to and backtrack and like try find areas that you might not have explored yet. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a simple, it's just a GPS, but like mm -hmm. the fact that the game is capable of tracking that from your very first like hour or so in the game. And then to be able to do that with every single item that exists in the game that has like while around you been interacted with, you know, I, like I, I find the concept that amazing for the switch. When you consider what other games are coming out, the switch kind of in around the same time or just before, <laughs> like there's Pokemon games that were violet and scarlet that were just looked awful. It is, you know, I guess when you think of the six year timeline, they were squeezing every bit of juice out of what the switch could actually, absolutely actually think. Uh, my final question, like, I guess, unless there's anything either you guys want to want to dig into before I get on, is there anything else you guys want to particularly want to talk about? Before Will we I talk about that amazing final boss battle? Uh, I, I, we may as well. If I had a tiny little precursor in, and this is just another amazing thing within this world. Uh, I was just traveling. I went into a cave. Um, there was this thing called the gloom. I'm going to call it a gloom hand. It's just a load gloom of hands, hands that come out of the gloom. I didn't know, like, you've come across it, but they fuck you up, so you stay away from them. Mm -hmm. The first time I challenged one was in a cave. After I beat it, I was like, cool, I beat it. What's it going to drop me? And then out of nowhere, <laughs> fucking Shadow Ganondorf just comes out of nowhere and starts fucking charging you down with like a big fucking sword or a big glaive, axe, anything. Like like it happens a few times throughout it. But the first time it happens, it's shocking. It's like, holy fuck. You're like, this is, this is the end of the game or part of the end of the I game? I just fought like a tricky fucking enemy that has yeah, for like the seven early hands game. just kind of move in a shadowy thing and yeah. they grab you and it's very difficult. The first time I met that it killed you, I'm guessing. No, I went up a tree and I just waited it out. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I don't know how to fight yeah. this thing. Uh, later on, I got a little stronger and I beat it. And I was like, yes, good from, oh no. no. And then just a health bar for Shadow Ganon. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah, it's it was like, it was very shocking because first I just went into an insignificant cave or so I thought. Uh, I think there might have been like an armor piece in there as well. Like in hindsight, like a, a fierce diety chest or legging piece. But just like that, you go exploring, come across this shadowy gloom thing that fucked you up, and you're like, I'm going to get my revenge, kill it. And then fucking Ganondorf shows up, and you're like, what in the fuck is happening right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then just with that little like gloom Ganondorf or the phantom of Ganondorf, that leads kind of into the main boss, who is also Ganondorf, but he's not a gloom, or he is the gloom. Well, he's where he, the gloom starts, I guess. Yeah, he like it's the he exudes gloom. gloom. He exudes gloom. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. The gloom exude exuder. Exude. Gloom. So uh, obviously, I, 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 
uh, Colin mentioned it that you get those uh, sages oh. that come in and help you out yeah. and you basically travel with them at the very end of the game you have five companions and each one has a very special power that that helps you out uh my favorite one obviously was the big giant robot i don't know about yeah, you it came in late in the game but that yeah. was pretty badass that, yeah. that was amazing <laughs> uh so you just climb on a robot you fuse different things to it like a cannon a or a, a, whatever Make and you just fast. you just uh, kaiju battle uh, a bunch of things um and then when you get to the big battle if you really tracked and did all those sage quests, they help you out in the final battle. Yeah. So you don't have to fight, you know, because usually you have the boss rush in every Zelda game. You have a bit of a boss rush. Mm -hmm. Can you can um, you fight Ganon without having done the five sages thing? That's you can, but you have to fight each and every one of the bosses. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's and, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, like they'll, they'll, like your amigos will show up and they're like, you know, it's we'll take care of that. Yeah, like we'll we'll handle this. You go fight the big bad, uh, and I just I like I took ages trying to finish the game, so I had that all you know, done. Everybody, I never yeah. realized that was like a mechanic. I was yeah. just like, oh, maybe it just won't let you fight him or he'll batter you or something. So you if, know? <laughs> if you don't get them, then you have to fight the bosses that you didn't do the sages for. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Uh, Did you do that? Or? Yeah, no, no, I, no, I had yeah. everybody. Yeah. I just, Marcus went and checked what happens ah, if uh, you don't good. have them, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you get to Ganon, and mm -hmm. that Ganondorf, and that was an amazing boss yeah. fight, I thought. And I, like, I, I love, like, Zelda games generally are great and all, but I love when Ganondorf is, like, in a human form. Yes, and like, the, like Smash Brothers Ganondorf. Yes, and, yeah. like, the, the, the visual style for Ganondorf in this game if they make a new Smash Brothers, and I know they might not do it without, is it Miyazaki? Um, no. Oh, God. Um, uh, Craig will be like shouting it down on his radio, on like his phone. Oh, God. If, if only we had the world. Hey, Craig, why don't web. you text me later in life and tell me what his <laughs> name is? <laughs> but yes, if he comes back to make a Smash Brothers game. Miyamoto. Is that it? No. No, no that's a Mario. Sorry. Sakurai. Yeah. Sakurai. Sakurai. Yes, You're okay. welcome. So if, if he was to ever make a new game, I'd love it if he used that skin for Ganondorf. And even if he's done with it and they make a new game anyway, I'd Whoever's love in that charge, skin. Just like, give it a skin. He's so fucking cool character. Yeah. So cool. They, they, really, they really made him amazing. And this is the best Ganondorf that I've seen so yeah. far, I think. I mean, like, cause like from the trailer, you see like a skeletal form of Ganon. And I remember even when I saw that and while I was playing through it, I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be like a fucking, you know, like a spectral thing. And he's going to inhabit like random monsters or whatever's going to happen there. And then, no, he gets his form back and he's a fucking beast. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. He has three forms, actually. Yeah. And the third one is great. Yeah, I yeah, thought, yeah. yeah. Is that a return to form, if I remember? Is well, there... he eats the, the yeah. sage stone. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. he dragonifies he himself. He draconifies yeah. himself. I have been <laughs> listening to the conversation. <laughs> and at the end, yeah, uh, you have a, a, a dragon Ganondorf. Dragonoff. And Dragondorf. Drag Dragondorf. Dragondorf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here first, folks. <laughs> and uh, you are riding Dragon Zelda and jumping off of her to try and reach Dragon. That's very Shadow of the Colossus. It in is its such a good game, Darren. Mm. And if we could not convince you to play it today, then I don't no, know no, what's wrong no. with you. Oh, yeah, I, am. <laughs> I am the problem. I guess my 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 final question, because I think I, I would be convinced. I think I definitely want to play Breath of the Wild before I get into that. I would love to I see. Don't think don't, it's don't necessary. Yeah. Don't, I, don't, I, I, no. I haven't, and I fucking love this game. No. Yeah. I feel I, like you might... 
burn out your momentum. Is yep. that like, yeah? Yep. Yeah, that's true. And I do have a habit of doing that in France. I, I'm honestly telling you that after playing Tears of the Kingdom, don't don't waste your time with Breath of the Wild. It's an amazing game, groundbreaking. Seven-year-old game. <laughs> Breath, but true. Tears of the Kingdom, but Tears of the Kingdom just took everything that Breath of the Wild did and just made magnified it, it, made it work, made it better, made it more accessible, mm-hmm. made it much more fun. And my, my final question to close of this episode to both of you would be after playing Breath of the Wild and let's say the next Zelda game is another, you know, five, six years off and it's going to be on the Switch 2 or whatever the fuck the future <laughs> of Nintendo looks like, what what is left, what can be done to improve Zelda or, or, or what do you want to see from the next iteration of Zelda? Can I have a tiny go at it? And yeah. <clears throat> this is just because I read this kind of recently and I thought it was really cool. It was just the fact that like the whole reason Tears of the Kingdom is the way it is is because the Zelda team, like when they finished Breath of the Wild, they were like, okay, there's still more in this world that we can do, still more things we can add, do more with it. And then recently when they finished Tears of the Kingdom, they were like, we're kind of done with it. Like the only way we will do a third one set in this world and so on is if we can change like the mechanics. So they're they're like they're looking to challenge themselves and not just you know like you know create a clone of what's come and yeah. then just re-release it for money's sake. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, they t- take their time. Six years is a long time for any one game. Like Bethesda would have thrown out like fucking six shit games in that amount of time. <laughs> Like realistically, realistically, at least yeah. five. <laughs> at least five. Um, so like it's just, it's nice that they've gone and done it that way. And then the fact that like they're open to reusing it, but they don't have any plans for DLC. Yeah. So if they do it, they're making a new game and they'll just reuse certain things. They might try keep it within the Breath of the Wild kind of universe and the Tears of the Kingdom universe as well. Or like it's almost set a new staple for how Zelda is played that if they went back yeah. to the overtop view or the kind of like a different style, they really need to be treading water and like moving forward and really like pushing the game down new innovative ways. So my my only question is, or, or from my perspective, is that Zelda as a story, uh, you know, because it's always Zelda going back and making sure that there is a link, a hero to come forward and battle the evil that is Ganondorf. Sure, they all they all get reincarnated. Reincarnated, wanna, whatever. Yeah. Do you think that uh, because I mean it, that that's an easy way to just make a new iteration of the game each and every time? Would Zelda benefit from what likes of what would have happened to the God of War series in 2018, where they took what kind of existed but really grounded the game in a uh, not even say a realistic narrative, but really grounded the game in that we're going to tell a real a, a real proper story here from start to finish? Mm-hmm. Is that thing a Zelda game needs, or does it does Zelda work because it doesn't follow in a kind of context uh, like that so i i think that first of all to in my opinion uh, tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild and again tears of the kingdom to to some extent uh actually goes back to what legend of zelda was back in the beginning you know you had this world you had no idea what you wanted to do you just the game just told you go explore this was like the first Zelda back in 1986 on on the Ninten- on the original NES, mm-hmm. um, and 
what in my opinion and again playing a lot of these Zelda games it almost became formulaic since Ocarina of Time and this is why I I have this gripe with Ocarina of Time for me because the world isn't open you don't go explore they take you on on a tour of Hyrule you can't go to the Death Mountain until you do this you can't go here until you get that item you can't go there until you you talk to this person and from uh, uh, um, from Ocarina, every Zelda game after that had the same formulaic approach. Mm-hmm. You you had to do things in a certain order, or otherwise the game would not progress. And then Breath of the Wild came in, and it just shattered everything that Zelda was for the past twenty years. And it was so such a breath of fresh air that when Tears of the Kingdom came out and just enhanced upon that. I, I thought, I think that for them to go back to the formulaic approach of we're going to take you on a tour, hold your hand and take you each temple or each uh, uh, dungeon or whatever, it's going to be such a disappointment. And I just don't think that they themselves uh, uh, want to go back there. Nice. Um, I, I think I read an interview with with the developing team uh, that said that this is what they want Zelda to do from now on. There's going to be a puzzle, and then they want the player to find the best solution that the player wants to do, not the, that the one that the game wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think giving the pl- giving a player such freedom to do whatever you want to do and play the game your way. It's it's an empowering uh, it's an empowering experience, you know. Because yeah. what Colum went through in his game, I'm like, oh yeah, that that's cool that you went through. And then what I went through, he's saying, oh, I never got to that place to those places. And it, I I love the fact that each person playing the game has such a completely unique experience mm-hmm. of it that I I don't think that they will ever go back to uh, this formulaic storytelling. It's going to be just, please enjoy this world that we've created yeah. and go and have fun with it. And I would be a, a little disappointed if they if they went Backtracked back if they ba- if they went back to your your uh, uh, um your, your previous Zelda games. I yeah. get you. And there there's one other thing there as well, which is like. They're true, ah, traditionally true Zelda. It's reincarnation. The hero time yeah. has always been. And every new Zelda game, you almost just think of it as like, oh, it's just a different timeline. In this game, if they want to keep Breath of the Wild as the first Zelda, and then they want to treat Tears of the Kingdom as like the second, there's a big time gap there. And yeah. Zelda also, as we discussed, she goes back in time 100 years, maybe longer. In that time, she's telling people about the battle that her and Link have had with Ganondorf. They failed. She's back in time. She's trying to gain strength to help defeat Ganon. So her presence is her talking about the hero of time. That's how people will know of Link. Like she tells them all, like all these sages that have amazing powers. One day a swordsman will come to you and I ask that you help him. His name is Link. And that is like from then on when they hear your name. I'm getting, bo- I'm getting yeah. goosebumps. I don't know so about you. <laughs> it's just like, it's just the whole thing is that by her going back in time after your failed battle with Ganon, she's trying to get, like, you find the strength to rebuild the master story, get back to the time, however that has to happen. And in that time, she's telling the story of Link and how he's going to need these people and their descendants to help him defeat 
evil essentially yeah and it's just you know if, if you want to take it from ignore all the other games bar breath of the wild then that would just be enough of a reason for them to talk about the hero of time without the need for so much reincarnation or iterations over different time periods yeah, yeah. you know so it's just cool I, that's all oh nice <laughs> Amazing, guys. I listen. You, it sounds like you guys we could go on by talking about Zelda, oh yes, Breath of the Wild, Tears yeah. of the Kingdom for a long time. But we do have to bring it to a close at some point. Um, what are the uh, what are the, the the nuts? Is there like nuts or like certain creatures in the games? Koroks. 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 Out of out of out of ten Koroks, what do you <laughs> what do you how many Koroks are you given Tears give of the Kingdom? Nine point eight Korok seeds. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Oh my, wow, my I think goodness! It's, I think it's well deserving of that if not the full 100 or 10 korok sorry yeah i'm, wow. I'm gonna give it a 10 korok seat oh, for me yeah definitely wow definitely ladies and gentlemen you hit it here first a a <laughs> resounding 10 out of 10 for uh cheers to the kingdom i should definitely get my hands that's 19.8 korok seats <laughs> <laughs> i finished the game and uh, listen daniel thank you so much for joining us on your very first episode not at all and let me sorry i'm going away because i came prepared and darren i would like you to play Tears of the Kingdom. Oh my God! He's giving me his switch. Uh, no, <laughs> but this is how I this is how I transport my games, and there it is. Oh my God! Please keep keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it secret. Keep it secret. Okay, I now have Tears of the Kingdom in my hand, and I will return here in in, in, in some in time a year's time to give a ten Korok seeds of my nice. of my and hopefully no salty tears of the kingdom. Ooh. Ooh. Well, well, we'll wait to find out. Um, so Daniel, thank you for thank you very much for the game. Thank you very much for joining me. Hope to get you on another episode soon. Thank you very and much for having me. Of my pleasure. And Colum, uh, thank you so much as always ah, for no, for joining. A, a pleasure, Darren. Thank you for hosting this uh, chat between me and Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, here's with zero zero idea how to engage no so what we're going to do is for those uh, who don't know we do have a patreon and on that patreon you can listen to kind of post shows that we do after our normal shows where we get into uh, other bits and pieces maybe related to the main show maybe not in this one we're going to go in and i'm going to talk to daniel and Colin about uh, th their favorite uh, zelda games and why or what might take the the lead i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking 10 10 Koroks over here is probably going to pick uh, Tears of the Kingdom, but well, if you no, want... no Tears of the Kingdom with a, a, a bar Tears of the Kingdom, which right. is the best. Okay, uh, okay. Well, we'll yeah, take that. Yeah. And if you want to know, you go to patreon.com forward slash uh, the gift of gaming, and uh, you can find it there. Sign up for the price of a coffee a month, and there is tons more content there for you guys to have a listen to. Again, gentlemen, thank you for coming along. Thank you for sticking around for the post show. Thank you very much. And to our listeners out there, keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out. Bye bye. Bye bye.